0: Hello and welcome to Interfilm Recommends, a regular podcast for film club leaders to explore exciting new titles with their clubs. My name's Joe and as usual I'm joined by Michael. Hello. And we've got four primary and four secondary episodes lined up for you across the autumn term to discuss some great new releases, all available to order from Interfilm on DVD. In today's secondary themed podcast we'll be discussing two great British films, Their Finest and Lady Macbeth. Let's start with their finest.
1: Their finest is a 12 certificate. Uh, We have it at 11 plus on the catalogue. And it sees a young woman called Catherine being taken on as a scriptwriter for propaganda films during World War II. Uh, We have a lovely clip from the film here, from the very start of the film, where Catherine is briefed just on what informational films are.
2: You're a cinema goer? Yes. Then you'll be familiar with informationals. We sandwich them between the support and the main feature so the public, to be informed, don't have time to escape. What to do in an air raid? Get under cover at once. Don't stand staring at the sky. Take cover at once. You'll find a page of script equates to a minute of screen time or roughly 80 yards of celluloid. Or it would if directors didn't squander the film stock as if it were lavatory paper.
0: So, Michael, this is a really entertaining story, but how does it capture life in the UK and the changing roles of women during World War II? So,
1: um, we see bombings in the film. It doesn't shy away from that aspect. Um, we see people taking shelter in underground tube stations. Um, and what we also see is women's roles in society changing, and they were set for radical transformation. And ultimately, this is the focus of the plot. Mm. So, Catherine is a Welsh lady uh, with a terrific Welsh accent as well, from Gemma Radston, and she is afforded the opportunity to work as a scriptwriter, uh, and her opinions at the beginning of the film, and still even in the middle of the film, are often challenged, and even even more so than that, they're just not taken very seriously. But what happens is her persistence uh, pays off, and it allows further change to take place. Um, so things like women's dialogue is taken more seriously. She allow she um, affects the development of female characters in the stories, and this uh, female dialogue, which is referred to uh, quite disparagingly as slop. Um, as I say, is taken more seriously and has more of a, an impact on screen.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that's really funny about the film, isn't it, is that the male screenwriters have got an absolute tin ear for what they would consider as female dialogue, and it just becomes very excruciating and very naff and very awkward to watch. And so... Yeah, it's really entertaining the way that they bring in Catherine and how they react against that as well, how they feel threatened by her at certain points.
1: Yeah, um, exactly. And and that's the funny thing. they They've deliberately brought her in to do that job because mm. they're aware that they can't do it. And yet... Mm. They, they don't want her to be there at the same time. Um, the other thing it does in that respect is, you know, it is a history lesson on World War Two and the change in role of women, but there is a modern message in terms of how female voices can have a direct impact on things. So you know, you can look at the lack of female writers and directors in particularly studio Hollywood projects today. Um, And uh, their finest sort of combats that, both in what we see on screen and also the fact that it's female directed, female written and produced, and it is adapted for a book from a female author.
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, like both films we're talking about today, they're both ostensibly period pieces, but in very different ways they feel quite fresh, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. but just going back to the propaganda films, uh, why were they seen as so important to the war effort?
1: Well, cinema, um, along with radio perhaps, was one of the only uh, mediums which acted with this sort of common, almost national interest. Um, and the rep- so the representations on screen were of particular importance and carried a real, real impact. Um, apparently there were up to 30 million admissions per week at its height going to the cinema. And we can actually hear uh, Gemma artisan talking a little bit more about that and cinema in World War II in this clip. There were thousands of stories that could have been adapted for the screen. How did the Ministry
0: of Information choose what they wanted to make?
2: I guess there was a real um, agenda. 30 million people a week were going to the cinema. It was really, there's never been a demand the same ever since. Cinema really was sort of like a lifeline for people at that time and these propaganda films were being made in order to keep people going. That optimism. Optimism, we're going to win. Especially for women, because women were the ones that remained. They were the yeah. ones here. So um, I think the agenda in this was really to kind of keep people buoyed up. And um, and it, in, after Dunkirk, when so many people had died at Dunkirk, they needed. It's sort of, this is what's so wonderful about this film is that. The film within the film means so much. It it really is, I think in times of desperate need socially, art is saviour.
1: In the second half of the film, we see that uh, there's a, a heroic American character that they have to write in. And so that is to persuade the Americans to join the war effort. So propaganda films are working on numerous levels and numerous ways.
0: We should say the film takes place in 1940, so before the US had entered the war. Yeah,
1: just before, and so that is a crucial plot point, mm. and it's something that Catherine has to work into her scripts. Mm.
0: So how would you describe the tone of the film? Does it does it remind you of anything you, we might be familiar with? I think the
1: first thing to say is the film is really... It's a really um, pleasant watch, if that's the right word. It's very lively, very bouncy. feels very fresh, as you say, quite modern in its portrayal. Mm um and it's it's you know it's the best part of two hours but it doesn't feel it in the slightest it's it's a it's very uh it's got a lot of energy to it um and it isn't difficult even though it doesn't shy away from portraying difficult things so bombings and other um riskier and more shocking events that you might not necessarily a film like this to to have within it Mm. um so it reminds you of modern films like made in Dagenham it has that sort of that spirit, you yeah. know, obviously there's a connection of... Um, it, it mixes comedy and hardship. It has women at its centre. It's set within a specific historical context. Mm. Um, so Made in Dagnam is a lovely comparison. Um, and Education is another you know, modern British film from the same director, Lorna sherfig. Um, which has Carrie Mulligan at its uh, at its core, and it's a coming of age of a girl in the nineteen sixties. So again, a, a lovely comparison there. Um, even something like Dunkirk, which yeah. you know, very very different film about the war, but you know, you could show those films back-to-back or, or you know, in two it weeks. It'd and... a great double bell, wouldn't it? Yeah. And then just a couple of others to mention as well. So Pablo Lorraine films. So he's a Chilean director who loves to... Um, he's done films like Jackie or No. Uh, and he mixes archive, uh, some of it genuine archive, some recreated with his own filmmaking to explore historical events or periods or figures. Mm. Um, and just one more, uh, Argo is another film where we see films within a film and one of the really fun things to explore in their finest is the film within the film aspect and Bill Nighy playing that character. And yeah, and it's, it's a really, really enjoyable watch and, and many, many things you can explore with it.
0: It's a great part of the film and they get out... They, the film doesn't just take place in London, so it does kind of recreate London you know, during the Blitz and all of the bombings and all of that kind of stuff. But it goes around and so we see how the rest of the country has been impacted by the war as well, and I think it does that in a really effective way. Yeah, it's real
1: charming, and up until this weekend, it was my favourite British film of the year. Wow. Um, We should say we do have, again, a film guide uh, on our website, interfilm.org. We have a blog uh, about the film as well, and in that blog there are three separate videos where the director, Lona Scherfig, and stars Gemma Arterton and Sam Claflin talk about the themes of the film.
0: The film is also featured in the Interfilm Festival as part of the History and Action Strand. So do go on to the Interfilm Festival site and search for streamings near you. Okay, on to Lady Macbeth. And Lady Macbeth is a
1: 15 certificate, 16 plus on uh, our catalogue, does deal with some darker issues. So the film sees a young woman forced into a loveless marriage, but she decides to take her fate into her own hands. In this dark period drama, here's a clip from the very start of the film, which is the initial introduction between Catherine, a.k.a. Lady Macbeth, and her husband.
2: Yes, yes, sir. Thank you.
0: You're not cold? No. no this house gets very cold.
2: I'm thick-skinned.
0: <laughs> You'll find that there can be a draft. won't be like what you're used to. You ought to keep to the house.
2: But I, I don't mind the fresh air.
0: it will be more comfortable in the house.
1: So lots to explore and discuss in Lady Macbeth, mm. many themes and topics that we could look at. Um, what really stands out for you as the most interesting?
0: Uh, well, I think what it does is it explores issues around gender and growing up in ways that we don't normally encounter in period films, Um, it's definitely a film only for older members, I think we should say. Um, It can be fairly graphic in terms of both its violence and its sexual content, and it does deal with some fairly disturbing themes throughout. But for those older audiences who are willing to go on that journey with the film, I think they'll find it a really engrossing, modern piece of filmmaking that's just impossible to take your eyes away from. You know, we watch in horror at some of the events that are taking place on the screen, but... None of it ever feels gratuitous and it's all done to develop the storytelling and the ideas in the film and the themes that the filmmakers have. One of the things it also does is it explores issues around rural life in ways that are really coming to the fore in British cinema at the moment. So you've got titles like The Leveling and God's Own Country which look at modern farm life in the 21st century and they've got young protagonists at their centre. And then you've also got Lady Macbeth, which is, well, definitely a period piece. It's set in the 19th century. It contains elements that feel very modern.
1: So one of the things Lady Macbeth does is to subvert the tropes of the period drama genre. Mm. So can you expand a bit on how it does that and how it does it so well?
0: Um, like most period dramas, it's based on uh, literary source material. Um, in this case, a 19th century Russian novella by uh, a guy called Nikolai Nestov. Um, And one of the things filmmakers have done, which we've already alluded to here, is um, transfer the accent to the north of England, which works really well in visual terms, as we've said, about the kind of unsettling, foddy landscapes. But also when it comes to the characters and the accents, which are very different to what we normally hear in kind of quote-unquote period dramas. So rather than the kind of traditionally clicked, upper-class accents we're used to, here they all speak with these kind of very gruff, northern accents. There's also quite an important racial dynamic to the story, which is done very subtly, but I think it's really effective. Most period dramas that we see are unfortunately overwhelmingly white, but there was actually a really significant population of people of African descent in the North East at the time. Many of whom would have been working in houses like those seen in Lady Macbeth. Um, And the house itself, I think, is also significant. So this is quite a low-budget film. It's a debut film from a filmmaker, and did not have the benefit of a large budget given to these glossier period films. So instead, the action takes place in these much more confined spaces, without all of those kind of extravagant production values and you know dozens of extras all attending balls and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. You know, it's a much more kind of intense claustrophobic experience and a great example of filmmakers like turning a limited budget into an advantage. Yeah, 100.
1: exactly. It's stripped down and you never notice that the budget isn't there, do you?
0: Absolutely. And there's a real intimacy between the audience and the characters on screen, I think, which is partly, you know, it's you know, developed as a result of that. Um, and the final thing I would just say is about the sound, which is really minimalist, so there's no kind of grand or test or store in fact, what we often hear is just silence to the extent where we can literally hear the characters breathing on screen, and that all adds to that really kind of tense profile atmosphere.
2: Mm.
1: and the film has quite a, a metronomic feel, if that's a word, doesn't mm. it that that beating heart or, the, or a breathing or something else, a clock ticking it's it's yeah. constant and it's relentless, and yeah. Really builds attention. Uh, So I want to ask you about Lady Macbeth, the the character, in a second. Before I do, let's hear a little bit from Florence Pugh,
2: who plays Lady Macbeth, and what she has to say about it. She terrified me, not as in the character terrified me, but the idea of making sure that I got every beat in her story, it did scare me because there was a lot of of work that needed to be done. The most important thing for me was making sure that I made a character where we could see, we could visibly see the change in her. She goes from girl to woman and we see her evolution. Um, we also love her and that was something that played in the, in the script and, and knew that that was gonna be tricky but interesting to achieve. So if you'd what Florence Pugh thought
1: about playing the character. How would you describe Lady Macbeth, and how are we supposed to feel towards her as an audience?
0: Well, it um, sort of carries on from what we were just talking about um, in terms of the you know, traditions of the period drama. Um, she's a very different female character to what we're used to encountering in the film and literature of this period. She's much more independent and boisterous and adventurous, And ultimately, without spoilers, she's quite a monstrous character to spend time with, particularly by the end of the film. Mm. Um, But she's a fascinating person to observe. Um, Florence Pugh, who plays her, does a really brilliant job of getting under her skin and sort of making you root for this character, even though some of her behaviour is pretty abhorrent.
1: Yeah, it's a strange situation to be placed in, isn't it? Mm. And Florence Pugh in that clip says, we we also love her, which is an interesting thing to say, but you clearly agree with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. She's riveting to Watts. And I think partly why we sympathise with her is, you know, to some extent due to some pretty awful treatment that she's subjected to at the hands of some of the male characters, but also because she's a properly rounded and three-dimensional character who feels quite modern, but also absolutely of the time in which the story is set. Um, So... With reference to the title, yeah, we should say the story and character have nothing to do with Shakespeare explicitly. No. But she is very like his Lady Macbeth and being this kind of rather wicked but complex female character that the audience are fascinated by.
1: Yeah, who ultimately sort of becomes a puppet master. Yes.
0: certainly the master of her own destiny. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Okay, so with all that in mind, which films would you recommend next for fans of this film?
0: Uh, I would say any film that's attempting to do something a bit different with what we think of as these kind of traditional tropes. So something like Andrew Arnold's Wuthering Heights from a few years ago, springs to Mind. Um, Also a film called Orlando by a brilliant British director called Sally Potter from the 90s. Um, I'd also add something like Anna Karenina, Joe Wright's film with Keira Knightley from a few years ago, which is very different and was rather divisive. But also an example of a director with a theatrical background um, approaching what could be seen as quite a tired and stale story and turning it into something that feels really bold and fresh. Mm. And finally, I'd recommend Florence Pugh's other major work to date, which is Carol Morley's uh, The Falling, which is equally disturbing in a very different way and set in the 1960s in a boarding school. But has another fantastic performance from her at its centre, and really marks her out as a major star of the future. I think.
1: Yeah, she's an incredible screen
0: presence. She really does. She's been compared a lot to Kate Winslet, kind of young Kate Winslet of Heavenly Preachers and those kind of films. Um, I can't see. What, can't wait to see what she does next.
1: I um, just one more, actually. I thought you might mention is Love and Friendship. Yes. Which yeah, yeah. is a period drama of uh, twenty fifteen, I think, or uh, yeah, twenty sixteen actually. It is very traditional in some ways as a period drama, except it's incredibly funny and incredibly witty.
0: It is, it is. And we, you know, we, do, like other period, we do like traditional period dramas as well, we should say. We're, yeah. not, we're not being down on them, but it's nice to see okay. films that kind of mix it up and play with the format a bit, like Love and Friendship, which is um, an adaptation of a lesser-known Jane Austen novella.
1: Absolutely. We have a blog, as we've already mentioned, on Lady Macbeth, Uh, and again, that has um, some videos with Florence Pugh, as we've heard, and the director, William Oldroyd, uh, on that. And Lady Macbeth will be playing in the Interfilm Festival as part of our No Borders,
0: No Boundaries strand. That's everything for today. Thank you very much for listening. Do check out our previous podcasts on SoundCloud and now on iTunes, all of which are accompanied by show notes, which link to the resources, including film guides, film lists, blogs, video content, and all the other great things that Michael mentioned.
1: And if you are also interested in primary content, we have a new podcast episode available featuring Spanish language adventure, Zip and Zap and the Marble Gang. We'll be back with a new episode at the start of October, so tune in then.